So I start, yeah, just really looking at their values and what is it they want. So, you know, forget about, you know, how much money you want in the bank. What is it you want your life to be? Is it picking up the kids every day? Is it is it actually you really want to you really want to manage other people? And that's something that was revealed with a, a client of mine. But it starts with your values and what you really want. And then going from there, we look at all the options. And then if you match that against their values, um, you can pretty quickly see the things that just aren't going to work for them. They might not work for them now. They might not work for them ever. Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Woomaker Law and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello. On today's episode, I have Eliza Ludwig, who is a wealth coach for business owners. And Eliza is a self-confessed urban hippie, and she loves helping others that are financially stuck. And so she started off, she thought she was going to get into horticulture. She went to uni for that and then realized she loved finance, numbers, all that sort of jazz. So she decided to start her own business, which is now known as the Flow Society. And she helps women become more empowered, predominantly service-based businesses, but also on the e-com side of things as well. And make sure that you've got enough time, your work is aligning with your values and helping you to achieve your goals. So I love talking to Eliza. I noticed at the end of this episode, I kind of was starting to wrap things up and then more questions popped into my mind. So I kind of then had to wrap things up twice. Anyway, you're going to love this chat and let's get stuck in. Eliza, I'm so excited to have you on today. Can you please introduce yourself and tell people who you are? Yes, I'm so excited to be here too, Katie. Um, So yeah, I'm Eliza Ludwig. Um, I'm the owner of The Flow Society, uh, which is a, um, I'm a wealth coach for small businesses. So what I do is basically look at the financial impact of all of the options they've got available in their business. So when you hit that level in your business and you sort of don't know what kind of missing. Um, you know you need to do something to get yourself to the next level, but you're not quite sure what it is. Um, we break I break that down and start really with the values to make sure that whatever option you're looking at is actually aligned with what who you are and who you want to be. Um, so for instance, family might be something that's really important to you. And if you're then looking at something which involves traveling, haha, Um, (laughs) um, or something that's going to take you away from your family, then that's probably not a really great option for you. Um, And then, you know, so I ease into it slowly. um, So I don't just suddenly ram you with a whole bunch of numbers and overwhelm you or anyone. Um, And then um, when we get further into it and looking at the options, just look at what the financial impact of that is and what's going to get you to where you want to go. it might be you want massive growth. So then we look at the really big, big items, or it might just be something just a little bit small to give you maybe a little bit extra money, but also a bit of extra time. So I've got, I've already just been jotting down notes about that. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of things. Mm-hmm. You said um, when they reach that level, what do you mean by that? Like mm-hmm. when they're ready for a wealth coach, you know, because I think a lot of people don't think, well, I'm not sure, but I don't think it's a, 
at the forefront of their mind. They're like, I need a wealth coach. So what do you mean by that level? Yeah, completely. Um, so it's really when you're, you've got a lot of sales, you've got great marketing, um, you're doing really well with your Google ads or your Facebook ads. And, but you, you just have that sense that something's not quite right. Um, you know, you want to make more of an impact. You know that you want to go to that next level, um, in your business in terms of growth and impact and profit, essentially. Um, often the thing that really actually strikes them is that they, is that they realize that they're getting a lot of sales, but there's still no money at the end of the month to Mm. pay the bills or pay themselves, or they still have that feeling of guilt drawing money out of the business. And you know that your business is successful, um, but you just, you just can't get over that sort of guilt factor. Okay. That clears that up. One thing I find is that, because we were just chatting before we jumped on that, I'm someone that also loves numbers. Like I love the number side of business and I love, um, but that's because I'm in a business that now I'm fully across everything and it's not scary to me. Whereas in a previous, a, a previous business that I had, I hid from the numbers because it's almost like I didn't, I had that, what did they call it? Ostrich syndrome where I didn't want to face when something wasn't working properly. Do you yeah. find that a lot of business owners are afraid to really dive into the financial side of the business and get their head fully around that because they're not exactly sure what they're going to find. Yeah, absolutely. And um, something I also find is, so yeah, definitely that, but also I think even more than that is people have thought, oh, numbers are so bad at maths at school. I'm Mm. not going to understand this. And I don't want to ask that question because I'm going to look like a fool because I've been in business for, you know, two, five years, six months, whatever it might be. And I don't actually know what my profit is or what my cash flow is or, you know, so I think there's also a lot of fear around what they don't know. And Mm. I suppose scared that I might tell them off for it, which I never will. But yeah. Is it also that they think that, because I think this is a thought that I had that I was like, I've kind of left it too late. And if I go to someone now, they're going to be like, why didn't you come and see me six months ago? And then I'm going to feel even, it's kind of like you almost don't want to face it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, I think people feel that they're going to look stupid. Yes. Or, um, and they should already be across it. Exactly. And they feel they feel silly for almost not approaching the issue sooner. Yeah. I also really find a lot of people, a, a number of people have Arthur accountant questions and haven't necessarily gotten any answers or. Uh, the positive sort of feedback that they're looking for, I think. Mm. Um, I know I even myself, and I'm across numbers, my accountant told me off for something mm. once and, um, you know, sort of shamed and yeah. that just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth to want to then go and put yourself through that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I really relate to that too because you kind of think, especially I think the way that there's a lot of, like I've got an amazing accountant now and she's very much across the digital landscape and how new business is done. Whereas if you're, when I was running my e-commerce business in the past, I was, I felt I hadn't really, I wasn't working with an accountant that was across the style of business. They were mainly like, they were old school accountants, if that, if that's kind of makes sense. Like they were totally used to working with the brick and mortar businesses and didn't really understand the, the online way of doing things. And so I felt that they didn't really understand my numbers and I didn't really know how to explain it to them. And so it was like this huge, big disconnect there as well. So we almost, it wasn't a good fit, but then it can be hard, especially I think with the added layer of being 
female, it can be hard to really take control and and feel empowered with the number side of your business. Oh, completely. And yeah, it's really hard. Even myself, I find it hard to find an accountant, you know, who yeah. who can understand me. And again, like I said, I'm I'm financial. <laughs> I'm that way minded. But yeah, it, there is. It certainly is an industry that's ready for for innovation. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even just like my accountant now, I am um, because I'm someone that I don't like doing, I don't like doing in-person visits. I don't have to go on like, you know, take time out of my day to drive 45 minutes to find a park to go into the CBD and blah blah blah. It's just like an added thing. Whereas my accountant now, it's totally virtual. We have Zoom meetings, and I can give you find someone that re- you resonate with like that that actually is going to align with your style of working. Yeah, you just feel so much more. It, the industry is definitely ready for a shakeup. Yeah. Um, before we get a bit more into how you work with your clients and what sort of stuff you do, I'm sure wealth coaching wasn't something you went to university and was like, I'm going to become a wealth coach <laughs> because yeah. it probably wasn't around, like that that term yeah. wasn't around maybe. Yeah. Um, and so can you talk to me about how you actually fell into this as a role and developing the Flow Society as a business? Yeah. So way back, I actually studied agribusiness at uni. I thought I was doing horticulture because I wanted to be an organic farmer. Um, (laughs) Very similar to what you're doing now. (laughs) Um, But it was when I, then I thought, well, if I'm going to live in the country for the rest of my life, I'm going to go to London and just sort of get the city, city life out of my, out of my blood, I suppose. And um, because I did have that little bit of business, I was able to sort of get a job um, in finance and I actually realised how much I loved it. And then I moved back to Sydney and, yeah, sort of just started working with organisations, doing very similar things. But it wasn't until um, after I'd had my first, before I had my second, I actually got put on a project which was um, to bring a new line of products. So I actually worked for Pepsi um, and we had never been in the fridge uh, before. And so it was a, a, a refrigerated dip and I was a finance lead on that. So I worked with somebody from R&D, somebody from marketing, somebody from sales, and the four of us just worked together um, to create this product um, from nothing with no data um, and make it work. And it was really successful. And I just loved working together with people on that. Um, in organisations, finance is often seen as the no people, um, the people who say, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that. Um, and whereas this was, we were all saying yes and, and and making it work together. And I just really loved that. And I just always wanted to work for myself. So I thought, you know, there's such a move for, well, and then I also struggled with flexibility from work. Mm. And I know that's something that you've, you had as well, working in the agency, mm. you know. I and I don't was, think it really hits you until you're going from one to two. Yeah. It's sort of matter, you're like, okay, especially before you reach school age, you're like, all right, I can do the long daycares. Uh, you know, drop off and pick up and you might not be happy with the situation, but you're like, I can make it work. And then suddenly two comes along and you're like, ugh. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And my first started school, just to your point, and it was oh. like she was in. People think that's when the flexibility happens and it's like, no, that's when the rigidity kicks in. Yeah, Because daycare, yep. at least, you've got more flexible hours in terms of it's just longer. You can do longer hours if you need to. Whereas school, it's like nine till three. <laughs> you can't do exactly. anything. No. Exactly. So um, I was like, right, okay. So, um, and they were at two different locations as well. So drop, yeah, it just became absolute logistic nightmare. 
Um, and I thought, well, that's what I really want to do. And um, a friend of mine at the time was doing digital marketing, um, doing a, a TAFE course or something. And she said, gosh, she's just such a massive um, groundswell of women sort of leaving corporate and starting their own business. Mm. She goes, you know, we should almost do something together where I do the digital marketing, you do the finance and, you know, and that never happened. She did something else. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she planted the seed. Yes, yeah, she did. And, um, yeah, haven't looked back. Amazing. So yeah. you started the Flow was it the Flow Society that you started straight away? Yeah, I, it was called something else at the time, but yeah, just recently rebranded to the Flow Society. Yeah. And can you tell me about the sort of clients you work with predominantly? Like is it is it predominantly women in business that have their own maybe they're one-man bands or they've got mm. their own sort of startup? Like what sort of what sort of clientele do you work with? Yeah, so um, I mostly work in the service uh, space, so service business space, um, but given I worked for a number of FMCGs or um, product-based businesses in my corporate career, I do have um, product-based, but it's generally they're sort of two to three years in to their business and just just sort of go, hang on a minute, where's that financial reward I thought I'd be getting? Or I'm seeing all this money coming in, but I'm not seeing it you know, in my bank account. Or alternatively going, hang on, like I quit corporate so I could have flexibility, but I have not cooked a meal in probably a month Um, (laughs) and I'm at my laptop while my kids are screaming behind me and that's not what I got into this all for. So what do I do? Because I know that the business has got, you know, got legs. You got legs, that's the word, um, but it's just not moving. It's not getting me where I want to go. And so how do you work with them to overcome that? Because I'm sure that like the, so many people listening are like, hello, that's me. You know, I thought I was leaving corporate. And and to some degree you're still, you have, even though, yes, you're leaving a job where there are more structured hours and and you do get that level of empowerment because you are working for yourself and you it's still, you, you find you're getting a level of flexibility but you're not getting a level that you necessarily want. Mm. How do you then help them through that process? Yeah, so um, that's where we start with the values because generally, like um, we were talking about before, they're scared, they um, may be a bit ashamed, um, Mm. which they shouldn't be, but unfortunately that does seem to be a feeling that they come with. And um, so I start, yeah, just really looking at their values and what is it they want. So, you know, forget about, you know, how much money you want in the bank. What is it you want your life to be? Is it picking up the kids every day? Is it is it actually you really want to you really want to manage other people? And that's something that was revealed with a, a client of mine. She was um, a VA and she realised that the thing she loved the most was actually working with people and empowering other women to mm. um, work, work as a VA as well. So anyway, but it starts with your values and what you really want. And then going from there, we look at all the options and then if you match that against their values, um, you can pretty quickly see the things that just aren't going to work for them. They might not work for them now. They might not work for them ever. Another thing is, um, and I do this too, I charge packages. I have packages. Uh, but sometimes there's just not a recalibration of how much time that package you might might be, might be take you to deliver. Mm-hmm. So, um, and sometimes you might have two packages and you're, you're really promoting the higher end package without realising that that gives you a couple of hundred extra dollars maybe, but it actually takes you five times the amount of time. Yes. So the more you're pushing that, actually the less time you have and the further away you're actually getting from your ideal like rate per hour or your ideal profit number. Because so, I think also with um, service-based businesses is, 
you will eventually reach a point where you can only work so many hours in the day, whatever that number that is for you, whether it's between 10 and 2 and it's school hours or whether you're, you don't have any kids at, at this stage but you're thinking long-term, like I can't keep working these kind of long hours. There is this only certain amount of people and, like, I think most service providers reach that point, like mm. me being a, a client manager and I also have the online course portion of my business. You can't really scale the service-based business to beyond a certain point unless you want to grab a team and you want to really develop like an agency style model in my sort of business that is. And I think that um, a lot of people don't get into running their own service-based business to be an agency model or to grow, have these big aspirations to grow beyond, but they're kind of like, well, what do I do? Um, And often people don't realise if they're not in a service-based business that the client and the comms and the client management side is often where your time is sucked up Mm. and that's what you really need to charge for. Whereas people often don't charge for that part and they'll charge for the actual physical work where, and so you're kind of under, you're undercharging a lot. Mm. Is that something that you find that is one of the big financial mistakes that women are making is that they're just not adequately understanding how much is going into delivering each package or then maybe not incorporating their admin hours into that as well? Yeah, so a bit of both. Um, so generally, I find like some businesses, for instance, um, well, product business and e-com business, they're not building in anything in their pricing for the time it's taking them to pack, to pick the mm. product, pack it in a package. Especially if they're handmade or something like exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. They'll just, um, yeah, so that definitely. And I'm finding with the organization or, you know, all the clients that I work with, it's about between 25 to 40% of their time is spent in that admin. So that's definitely, obviously, the first thing we look at is, okay, well, can you outsource some of that? Um, but yeah, you know, client, client um, comms and things like that, that's not so easy to um, outsource. And some people actually really like that. But yeah, definitely not built into their numbers or in their the, the time. Um, sort of like, oh, well, this package takes me five hours to deliver. They do have that kind of level of understanding. But then they're like, oh, of course, yeah, I've got to do all the communication as well and the presentation and that's not, not built in. Yeah. And I, I'm someone that I, I love numbers, like numbers, I feel like in particularly in business, there's a lot of power in numbers. And I'm mm-hmm. just going through my, like, I'm a spreadsheet diehard and I love all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but a lot of people aren't. But the, the power, like each month I track how much time, like any client facing work, whether that's doing work on a client or comms or anything like that, is we track and then we can work out our cost per hour or our mm. revenue per hour and things like mm. that on and we Perfect. do that on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and that even just having that information at the because like you said you might be that the most expensive client might take the most amount of time so then it's about looking at okay what does our ideal client look like and how can we get more of the clients that are perhaps the mid-level range but mm. the actual profit or revenue per hour is higher because the the delivery time so much lower yep. um, or, or much more efficient. So mm-hmm. I think there is, if you just look at things on at the at the cost price, then you're not necessarily taking in all that, that back-end information. Absolutely. How do you recommend starting to build really those finan- those healthy financial habits and start to be more across the numbers and and feel more like you're you're taking control about, you know, understanding things like how much revenue is are you earning mm. per hour or what's mm. your you know, how do you start to build those financial habits in? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I suppose I would say don't worry if you haven't done it. 
Um, And just just start easy. Just check your bank balance every Monday Um, and go, oh, gosh, I hadn't realised that um, I haven't invoiced that client or um, I supplier charged me twice I hadn't sort of realized that and just and just then slowly you will start building up sort of a bit of an understanding of what's coming in and out and how that relates to what you're actually doing on a day-by-day basis I think something really important is 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 invoicing really is making sure that you've got a habit around that because that can Mm. often often fall into that admin bit that nobody really likes to do and um, may not be automated so how can you automate that Um, But, I mean, just exactly what you have said in terms of having a spreadsheet that shows how much time each client is taking. I mean, that's perfect. Um, That's 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 gold class. (laughs) 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 Having that level of understanding is just gold. Yeah. Well, I think that it's something that and it's something that my 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 virtual assistant, we track the time. She's got a task on the first of each month. She goes, pulls those reports and then does all the calculations and I get to see, okay, you know, it allows me to see like, okay, well, why was that client so much, so much more time spent on that client this month? And start to, you know, it also helps you evaluate when it's like, is it time for a price increase Mm -hmm. or is it time for, um, do we need to reevaluate the packages that we're offering? Things like, it just gives you so much more data to base your decisions Mm -hmm. off rather than just a gut feel of like, I felt like I spent more time on that client this month. Why would that be? Or Mm. something like that. Absolutely. And start to understand like, is it during peaks and troughs of the year? Is it during mm. Christmas time, or is it mm. you, you can you yeah. can understand so much more when you've got the data in front of you? Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing to do is we often track, um, or I often see that um, income is being tracked in total, but mm. not. I mean, again, you've got a very big gold star, Katie. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just that's only because yeah. I am a numbers. Yeah. yeah, like this sort of yeah. stuff lights me up. Like I'm just doing my launch debrief numbers spreadsheet for my um, course launch, and I'm like, I know I should hand this reporting side off, but the actual numbers side is like gives me life. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that, um, and that I'm not the only one. Um, no, but yeah. Not. <laughs> but knowing um, what your income is by package um, mm. or by client, or you know, just having a bit more of a in-depth view of that income, I think is also really important. And so what about you? How do you actually, how do people find you and how do you, have you built your business? Oh, good question. I've been pretty much referrals based. Mm. Um, and Which is always um, a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been very lucky in that respect. Um, but um, I'm definitely love a bit of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, Instagram is probably where I hang out with, hang out the most. Uh, and do you find, and like the way you work with clients, is it something that someone needs? Do you need a wealth coach for the rest of your business life or is it more like a short-term engagement or does that just depend entirely on, you know, where you're at and maybe you need to reassess once every year or how does that yeah. sort of work? Yeah. Um, so I've actually just been redesigning all of my packages um, because um, it really is project-based. So at, so to date, it's really been project-based, but I am finding there's more and more of a need for people who just who actually just don't want to look at that, that detail on a month-by-month basis. They mm. don't want to, you know, they just want somebody to look at that for them and then give them the upshot. Say, look, you're really not selling any of this package um, and it's your most profitable package. You're selling your least profitable package 
can you change your marketing? Can you change, you know, what can you do to try and get people back into the other package? And just sort of, you know, make it really actionable for the client. Um, so that's generally a client who's been in business sort of five years or so and really, really ready not to have to do everything themselves. Um, but yeah, generally it's a pack, it's it's a it's a project, um, a project basis to begin with, and then reviews after that. What do you find? Like, do you have any thoughts on the, we sort of touched on it earlier about mm-hmm. charging when, when you're a service provider, do you have any thoughts on the charging per hour versus charging by package? Like you, we've mentioned packages quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Can you explain maybe the benefits of offering packages rather than that hourly exchange? Cause I've got a lot of thoughts on it, but I want to hear your yeah. thoughts on it. <laughs> Look, I really, I mean, I do it myself. I'm an advocate for it. Um, But I do think that you need to just make sure that you are charging a fair amount or, and by that, I actually mean that you're not doing a hundred hours of work and you're actually only charging for 10. Mm. Um, So I think that's something that does take a bit of review. Um, I think also... If you charge by hour, you're kind. If you are inefficient, if you're starting out and you're charging somebody by hour per hour, then they're almost um, paying for your inexperience, mm. paying extra for your inexperience. And um, I don't think that that's fair for the person who's you know using your services. And it actually isn't so much of an incentive for you. Um, you may as you know it's free. As my husband says, that's freelancing. That's not a business. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm so much more an advocate of like retainer packages or whatever packages that you, but for me, when it's about charging per hour, first of all, you're not an employee. Mm. And also like, also there's so much more that goes into, uh, secondly, the Mm. point you you brought up about efficiency is then you actually get penalized for being more efficient and more skilled at your job. Cause the more you, like, obviously the, the more expertise you've got, the less time it might take you, but the results are getting better and better and better. So you're actually Mm. penalizing yourself there. Exactly. And then you're not taking into consideration the other aspects of your business that go into delivering that package mm. as well. So mm. I think package pricing is mm. is a much better, like you can obviously have, you know, around about, you know, this, this is how many hours approximately goes into each package. Mm. And then it also allows for those peaks and troughs of maybe during one month there was less work that needed to be done, but the next month might be really intense. And then you don't find that you're needing to charge more or less. Mm. It's just... It kind of evens out in the wash most times. Yeah, there's nothing more scary as well as somebody who's wanting to hire, you know, um, hire somebody. I'm trying to think, sort of in my well, cleaner, getting a cleaner, mm. and they say it's thirty dollars an hour, and then suddenly they're like, oh, it took seven hours, and you think you could have done a pretty darn good clean at seven hours, yeah. you know, and you don't know what it's going to be until it's done, and you think, oh, geez, I've had to known it was seven hours, maybe I wouldn't have, you know. So yeah, yeah. Actually, that we um we recently, my cleaner said to me, um, we have a cleaner that comes once a fortnight, and she was like, originally when I when I engaged with her, it was she was like, it's this much per hour, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then she said, um, we're actually going to do change it up so that it's just a flat rate of I think it's like one hundred and fifty dollars for a fortnight clean, mm-hmm. and then we just stay as long as we need to get stuff done. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like, and she's mm-hmm. like, you know, some people, they want an hourly rate because they, mm-hmm. they find 
but she's like, if we can just speed through things and get things done mm. quicker, or we, the next, it might be particularly, you might be total pigs one week. <laughs> we need to yeah. stay longer. Yeah. She's like, it just kind of evens out. And that to me is good. I'm like, she might mm. stay two hours one week. She might stay four the next fortnight. And it's all even down the wash, but I know I'm paying the same amount each fortnight. Like mm. To me, I prefer it that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, you have just been a wealth of knowledge to to be and make a pun. <laughs> what other, besides like um, wealth coaching, what other things do you find that, because I people probably come to you to solve a particular mm-hmm. problem, they, they've got a problem with maybe their financials. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you find most rewarding about working with clients? Like is there a common transformation that tends to occur or a feeling or how, how do you kind of know when you've educated your clients or, or helped them enough that they're ready to go off and fly on their own? Yeah, I think it's just probably their mood. Mm. <laughs> um, so they often come, you know, they're face down. Um, I don't even sort of, even though we're Zoom often now, um, they don't even really want to look in the camera because they're just... That's how they feel. And then when they see the numbers and realise, A, that they, you know, what that means for them, what that, that you know, making some changes in their business isn't going to be impossible, that it's within their grasp and it's actually not, you know, if you're just sort of getting rid of a package that's not performing or um, or isn't profitable or whether that's going, oh, my God. So if I sort of swap my business from being 50-50 on these two and sort of switch it over this way, I'm suddenly going to get 10 extra hours in my week, mm. you know. Um, so that's that's when I know I have, yeah, definitely educated them. Um, sometimes also at the end of the process they'll be like, oh, you know, I thought about doing, um, you know, whether I was going to create a course or a membership, but I am now, uh, I've decided I'm going to go to the course because with the membership, you know, and, and you can see that they've understood all of the financial concepts. Yes, and they're thinking what that about means. it. Yeah, and they're applying it to their business rather than me just telling them they've taken that on and they're yeah, making decisions based on that as well. And I really like that you tie that back to the values and what they kind of want to get out of it big picture because the sim- similar things have come up with when I'm thinking about, you know, do I want to add a high-touch product to my business or do I want on the course side of things? And then I have to come back and realise, I don't want to be doing more one-on-one calls and I don't want to be doing more hours that I have to be appointment-based sort of stuff Mm, that, mm. yes, a high-ticket item might be a good idea, but it's not actually what I want in my business. And you don't have to follow what everyone else is doing in their business because they might have different goals. They might have different working hours. They might not be the person that's picking up the kids from school or taking them to school Mm. every day. And if you have certain constraints and you also have certain things that you want to be doing with your time, then you need to kind of structure your offering around that. Otherwise, you'll fall into the pattern where you're like, this just is not working for me. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I've had a number of clients who want to do either pro bono work or like volunteering work and they're just like, I'm just never going to be able to fit it in my week. And there's always sort of a way, I think we were Mm. um, saying that before, there's always options, there's always a way um, to achieve these things. So, for instance, my pro bono um, a person, she was a psychologist. So we worked it th- so that um, between certain hours were just sort of normal clients. And then, you know, she'd have um, two hours a week that she would give to two pro bono clients. So then she's still earning a decent income and it's actually funding her to be able to do that pro bono mm. work. Because if she gets nothing but pro bono work, 
she actually is then doing herself a disservice because she's not going to be able to stay in business. Mm. She's going to have to, you know, do something else. So, yeah, that's. And then probably the passion would also then, it would be harder to maintain that passion of this Mm. is what I really want to. Yeah, I I love that. I think that that's the point where I'm at now because I've got, it's nice for me because I'm pregnant with my third child and being I'm going to be taking a step back mm. and it's allowing me to that break is allowing me to well what do I want my hours to look like when I get back mm. and how do I want them to change and and I'm starting to think well I remember having this discussion with with my business coach about this like you said before about mm-hmm. the um you know this product might be your highest price product but it's is it really delivering the, the best return on investment. And I do um I do consults and things like that. And I love them, but it also takes away from doing other things in my business that I I love probably more than that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like at what point do you say no to revenue to just mm-hmm. being able to focus on what you really love? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm like, okay, that's having a bit of a break, a forced mm-hmm. break on that side of things. I can then come back and reevaluate what do I want my business mm-hmm. to look like when I come back mm-hmm. and how is that going to look different to how it looks now so mm. it always is nice to have a bit of to come back to what do you like doing mm. and and making sure that that aligns yeah so I love that philosophy mm-hmm. well I just love talking to you so much I oh, me too. the numbers and that sort of stuff and I just love that I think that it's really important for um, particularly women in business to see that being across the numbers and the financials and and being empowered with that sort of things mm-hmm. doesn't have to doesn't have to be boring and dry and that you can actually mm-hmm. it's there to, to make your business better and to make mm. what you do like what you are doing in your business better yeah and more enjoyable and I think that um I would highly encourage anyone to connect with Eliza if they're in that in the same part like at that point where they think maybe things need to change up a little bit mm-hmm. so where can if people are interested in finding out more about you and what mm-hmm. you do where is the best place for them to stalk you yeah, so I'm on Instagram at the Flow Society, but there's a um, underscore, so the underscore flow, yeah, and uh, <laughs> all the all the underscores, all the high, all the under, yeah, all the underscores. <laughs> Bloody, who else has got the Flow Society that took it off you? There's an American company um, which is Board Shorts. So if yeah, you, right. if you okay. find Board Shorts, you know yeah, that's, that's not, not Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the wrong one. Yes. Um, and so my website is theflowsociety.com.au. Can I ask, just before we wrap up, what um, inspired the name The Flow Society? Because I think that that's, it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful name, but it wouldn't, yeah. like, I'm sure there's a great reason behind. Mm. Like, what what was the um, what was the inspiration for that name? Yeah, so very interesting story. I actually um, had a branding expert um, do all of the rebrand with me. Um, and What so was she- it before? It was called bread budgeting. Okay. Um, Flow study is better. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but we were sort of looking at, you know, well, it's sort of around cash flow. Um, mm. But really the, the the core of what I do or what I want my clients to achieve is flow in their business. So mm. um, not that, you know, I've got to get this, I've got to get Frantic. this. Frantic. Yeah, I don't want that. I want people to feel in flow and go, okay, I know what I need to do today and I can do what I need to do for my business and I can live my life and I don't have to stress about the money at the end of the, at the end. so yeah it's that we were sort of looking at ebb and flow but then it's like well we don't want to sort of say that people are you know yeah not down and up <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So can I also okay kind of positive. I feel like I'm not even wrapping mm-hmm. this up properly but anyway yeah. I want to ask another question yeah. what um 
Do you find people often don't understand the difference between cash flow and profitability? Yes. Absolutely. And can you explain that quickly? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, cash flow is really just cash in and out of the out of your business. So um, I mean nobody really works with cash, so it's really what's in your bank. Um, so profitability, um, it's probably um it's gonna be highly profitable but have no money in the bank can't you exactly Mm. so if you are finding your suppliers aren't paying you um and uh but you've got you know your va you've got to pay you've got to pay your um course platform um you know teachable or whatever Mm. uh, you've got all these uh, expenses going out but people aren't paying you quick enough um that can unravel you very quickly and it's actually Mm. reason why i think between 30 and 50% of businesses go out of business because they don't have the cash. It's not that they're not profitable. Um, It's more uh, probably obvious in um, e-com because Mm. um, they're buying stock. Um, Yes, there's a bigger outlay that you have to like, you might have to commit to six months' worth of stock and you're like, crap, I don't have six months' worth of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one last question as well. Mm -hmm. Do you find that... um, Traditionally, people have been funny about money. There's always this thing about being funny about money, which I think the tide is sort of turning a little bit and people are more open about it. Do you find that women are often ashamed or embarrassed about charging what they're worth or being financially secure and that there's this almost, I don't know, like they don't want to say that they've got a really financial Mm. stable business because they don't want it to sound like they're bragging about money or that sort of stuff. Do you ever find that sort of hang up? It's interesting. I suppose when people are coming to me, um, it's more that they it potentially is a bit of a cash flow problem. Yeah. So they don't want to. So I think they sort of go, I know it's really successful, but actually if I start saying that it's successful, people are going to think I've got cash and I don't. Mm. Um, so maybe when it, maybe it's just the next stage. Um, in terms of feeling happy to charge what they're worth, um, I actually am finding a lot of them are pretty good. Mm. Um there are sometimes those little tweaks just in terms of um, packages and not aligning to how long things are taking. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I actually haven't found that. So maybe maybe the education has happened. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think also, like I always, I've got this, I've heard this saying once and it really stuck that like pricing is a function of confidence and that the more confident mm. you are, the more the more willing you are to charge what you're worth. And maybe when you're getting started, I've had so many service providers on the mm. podcast that they always go through a pricing, you know, crisis because they're like, oh, when I was just getting started out, I'd work with anyone that would come my way and now I'm suddenly stuck with a bunch of clients that I'm undercharging and over-servicing and, you know, I've got to kind of get out of that. But I think as you become more confident in your business and especially if you're working with clients that are maybe two or three years in, mm. they've realised that, oh, hang on, something's got to change. I think so. I think that's complete. I was actually going to say, I think maybe the only person I've seen with that is me. Um, <laughs> from when I started out to what I, you know, to what I charge now, I think, yeah, I used to charge, um, yeah. Oh, my God. I think say. about yeah, no, I think about what I touched on. I'm like, what was I doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but, but you don't know until you, everyone, when they're starting their business, they're like, am I worth it? Or mm. like, but as you become a company, like I am worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's well, it. okay. Now I'll finally wrap things up. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic to talk to you. And I've been so excited to chat and I highly encourage anyone yeah, that is looking to be more empowered with their numbers to get in touch with you. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Katie. I've loved every moment. (laughs) 
I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it because it was just such a pleasure to talk to Eliza and have someone that breaks numbers down in a way that's not overwhelming and not confrontational and really is designed to empower you and improve your business and make you have a happier life. So I really enjoyed talking to her and make sure you do get in touch with her if it's something that you want to pursue or find out more information about. All the links are in the show notes. If you want to connect with me, I'm at katiegriffin underscore on Instagram. My website is katiegriffin.com and I'll talk to you on the next episode.